So we've been in the book of Matthew, which we are periodically dipping into between different series. And uh, in this last kind of Matthew mini series, which we've called Jesus Among the People, Jesus had come down from the mountain where he's given this kind of landmark sermon and he's been interacting with people um, as Eve talked about last week and now what's going to happen this week is that the disciples are going to hit a real intersectional turning point so we're going to jump in hopefully you can read that we are in Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 and we're going to go through to chapter 10 verse 15 Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it's not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Missed that that slide. Okay, so... The disciples at this stage have done a lot of listening and a lot of observing and um, they've done a lot of watching of Jesus, but now he is kind of sending them on prac. So I don't know if anyone here has done like a practical placement as part of their training. Daniel is nodding. I did many. Eve, I imagine, has. I'm pretty sure Faith has too. It's kind of like, it's like this exciting and nerve wracking um, experience because you're about to actually put into practice the stuff that you've been learning and you really hope that you've been kind of listening well enough to not feel like an idiot on your first day. So the disciples are about to go off on their first prac and it's um, some people call this the first commission. 
So it was somewhat limited. It was like the first wave of mission. So Jesus sent his disciples initially to the, what he calls them, the lost the lost sheep of Israel, so the Jewish people. Now, later that commission will be extended to the Great Commission. It will be out to all the nations. But for now, it's like their first experience. So that's what they're going to be doing. And Jesus is laying um, some missional groundwork um, for his disciples and also for us. So before they go anywhere, a couple of things have to happen. There are some instructions given. And it's helpful for us to pay attention too, because if we want to go among the people, we kind of want to catch on to those instructions that the disciples got. So what I would say, first of all, is that nobody's going to be very motivated to go anywhere or do anything if they don't understand why they're going. Because when you know why you're going to do something, it impacts where you do it and how you do it and who you do it with and what you do. And probably one of the most helpful bits of this passage is that it really unlocks the why of the going out. So it says that Jesus looked at, at the people and what he saw was a whole lot of lost. It says that the people were like sheep, that they were harassed by life, that they didn't really have any kind of real sense of who they were or whose they were and they were helpless, really unable to fix their own lives in any kind of substantial way. And it says that Jesus had compassion. So I think that tells us that God's fundamental stance toward humanity and toward lostness and towards our mess is actually compassion. It's not condemnation, it's not rejection, it's compassion and compassion this is our little lost sheep out on the rocky place. Compassion comes from two root words, which mean to suffer with, which I think carries this sense of really identifying with the person and experiencing what they're going through. And we find that same word for compassion um, in Luke 15, which is the story of the prodigal son. So if you need a quick memory refresher, that's where very dearly loved but quite rebellious son heads off away from the father's house eventually gets quite desperate and starts this sort of slow walk of shame back to the father expecting something quite different to what he actually gets and meanwhile the father has been standing out at the back gate looking out in the direction which the son has left and he's out there just longingly looking toward the horizon and then finally one day um he sees the son and it says while the son was a long way off, the father ran and it says he fell on his neck and kissed him because he was filled with compassion. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of God toward the lost. It's, it's compassion, not, not condemnation and rejection. So that's where we are. Jesus is looking out at the people. Um, he's seeing people behave in a particular way because they are, they're lost and then he tells his disciples to do something quite interesting. He says, um, beseech God for more workers. Because he says, there's a big harvest and there's not enough people. So there's clearly some kind of gap between the need and the resource or capacity to meet it. 
I don't know if you've ever felt that. If you've looked out and seen a whole lot of need and been a little bit overwhelmed and like there is not enough capacity or resource here. Like we don't have enough workers. That's actually a problem. Um, Australia is at a historically low unemployment rate. So there are employers all over Australia, I imagine, kind of beseeching someone for more help. And, and that, that was the reality here. Um, interestingly, I had a look at that phrase, um, sending out workers. And it's actually a little bit less polite in the Greek. The word is ekbalo, to send out. And it doesn't mean like, just gently inquire and see if anybody would be interested. It actually implies force and it would probably be better translated to thrust out amongst the people. So I thought, well, that's interesting. There must be a little bit of reluctance and resistance if that's what's actually required for God to kind of like boot out more workers into the harvest field would probably be a better translation. But anyway, putting that aside, um, what we're going to hit here is one of the tensions um, that I think is actually um, all through this passage. And on the one hand, we see that there is this like almost sense of overwhelm, like there's too much work and not enough people to do it. But then on the other hand, Jesus does something quite interesting. He doesn't say um, that after they've asked the Lord to send out more workers, that, that they should just then wait and just wait until there are more people who've been trained or wait until everybody's prayers are answered. He still just calls them to himself and commissions them and sends them out. So he just sends them anyway, um, which I think is quite interesting. And there's actually some more tensions coming up. And I thought, okay, what, what's going on here? Like there's like a, on the one hand, there's this, on the other hand, there's that. And I actually think that... Um, you could think of them as two anchor points or just two things that we need to hold that sometimes feel like they're opposing each other. But actually in the kingdom, this is really, really common. We'll have on the one hand, there's this, on the other hand, there's that, and they're both yes. Yes, more workers are needed. Yes, we're going anyway. We can't, we can't wait. And in that um, tension, sometimes there is like a stretching or an expansion. Um, as we go forward with God. And I think the reason why this passage has a couple of these and why actually the Bible is full of them is because it means that we hold on to two equally important things instead of swinging into one direction or the other and then missing something. So yes, pray, definitely pray, but also go, pray and go. Now, before we get too much further on in our kind of examination of this sending and the instructions and what we have to pay attention to, I think we could easily miss that little phrase um, that said Jesus called his disciples to him and he gave them authority. So the reality for those first disciples, the reality for us, the reality for the disciples that come after us is that we all have a share uh, in the ministry of our master. We all have um, the opportunity, the invitation, the calling, actually, to partake in that ministry. So we share in his ministry of compassion. We share in the ministry of 
speaking truth in love. We share in the ministry of reconciliation is quite often the way that Paul puts it. Um, and I think later what we'll find that is that this passage becomes a bit heavier and then by next week, it actually becomes a little bit grim. And that's because we don't just share Jesus' ministry as his disciples, we also partake, we're also called to partake and share in his rejection and in his suffering. But in the meantime, Jesus says, come to me. You have to come to me before you get sent out. Please come to me because I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to give you my compassion. I'm going to give you my love. You don't have to just go and work something up. Like I've got what you need and I'm not just going to say, good luck, off you go. Um, I'm going to give you something else that's really important. I'm actually going to share my authority with you. You don't have to just go and rely on your resources. Um, and I, I actually think it's interesting that it doesn't sound like it's an optional extra. He didn't say, would you like this? It was, you're commissioned and here it is. So he knows that we, um, well, he expects us to do things that we just couldn't do on our own. He actually expects us to be able to participate in the freeing of people from bondage and, and tyranny um, and the oppression of the enemy and to heal people from all the many, many afflictions of the human body and soul. Um, and that's necessary because it gives substance to our compassion. It's actually a tangible demonstration of how God feels toward us. And I think at the end of the day, you can be the nicest person in the world, but, but lost sheep actually need more than that. They actually need um, something that could only come from God. And God wants to reach out and change people's lives. And that's why we have to walk in that authority and, and stop kind of thinking that we can't or shouldn't or um, aren't worthy to. We actually have to. That's our calling. So we get a little bit further through Jesus' instructions and then we hit um, another little interesting tension because on the one hand, Jesus says to his disciples, freely you've received, so now freely give. Now, if you've received something freely, then you, you haven't paid the cost for it and you didn't earn it. And this is actually very liberating for us as followers of Jesus because the moment that we start to think that our gifts and our strengths and our talents and the things that we can bring to people are things that we have um, earned and they're things that we um, deserve, then we head into this trap of thinking that because we, we earned them or we've worked for them, that then we own, we own those things and that people owe us if we bless them with our generosity or our time or our whatever. But actually that is very, that's very worldly thinking and it really starts to mess you up. So Jesus really nips that in the bud or nips it in the butt as my kid says. And he says, no, no, freely you've received, now just freely give. So no, no kind of grasping or, or that kind of worldly thinking where the principle is there's lack and you have to be competitive. You know, in God's kingdom, that's just enough. That's always enough. It's always the principle of abundance. You don't have to hold things back. You can actually be free and generous because you know who's looking after you and who will keep supplying everything that you need. But then in the very next breath, Jesus says, the worker is worth his keep. So what you have to give to people might be free, but it's not without value. So don't underestimate when you're offering, what you're offering when you're out 
amongst the people. So yes, give freely, but he says, it's okay to let people provide for your needs. It's okay to let people contribute to the work. It's okay to recognize the blessings um, that you carry and their value. And also trust that God is gonna oversee your care and ultimately provide what you need. So when he's talking about don't take the coins and don't take your extra shirt and your extra bag, I think that Jesus is just saying, they're all the things that we, they're all kind of the methods that we use um, that um, help us to take care of our own needs. So we don't have to rely on anybody, el on, on anybody else. So they're like our backup plans. They're like keeping the door open to some extra job that might help us with income or, or just the things that are our own methods of kind of building up our own layer of security so that we can't be, um, or that make us a little bit less vulnerable to God and less vulnerable to other people. And Jesus says, no, you, you sheep that know your shepherd, you have a good shepherd. There we go. We're up on the mountain. We've got a good shepherd taking care of us. We're, we're okay. We're going to be okay. So we're nearly there, but we do, have, um, we do have one more little tension point that sooner or later we're going to come across in our travels amongst people. And that tension point is that not every lost sheep cares to hear about the shepherd. Um, interestingly, Jesus is saying, if people don't listen to you, um, don't want to listen to your words, then here's what you should do. And even that in itself is a bit of a dichotomy because we have, yes, our acts of compassion, but we're also expected to say something. So again, some people have a leaning towards the doing and the loving. Other people have a leaning towards, you know, speaking and testifying and witnessing to who God is. And again, it's the yes and the yes. It's both. Um, but Jesus doesn't say, that sheep running away because I didn't want to hear. <laughs> Jesus doesn't say, if anyone will not welcome you or listen, then kind of slump into a puddle of disappointment and just let go of what God has given you. That, that's not the message. He actually says to take it back, which says to me that what we have actually has some substance. If you're letting your peace, and that's a big peace, that's our favour and uh, the blessings that we carry when we walk with the Lord. If you let that rest on the house, then that has to mean something. Like that actually has substance. And then if you take it back, I think what Jesus is saying here is, don't let someone else's rejection of God loosen your grip on what you carry. Actually make the decision to take back what's yours in God, your favour in God, your peace. Don't, don't let it you know, don't let it slide out of your hands because someone didn't want to listen. And don't let their rejection stop you from sharing that with someone else down the road. Sometimes you just got to keep on going. So I thought we might actually finish today by reading Psalm 23, which I've renamed the song of the sheep that was found since that's the privilege that we all share. Let's, um, let's go back to the pretty sheep. 
And this is from the voice translation. The Lord is my shepherd. He cares for me always. He provides me rest besides streams of refreshing water. He makes me whole again, steering me off the worn and hard paths to roads where truth and righteousness echo his name. Even in the shadows of death's darkness, I'm not overcome by fear because you're with me. You're near with your protection and guidance. I'm comforted. You spread out a table before me, its provision in the midst of attack from my enemies. You care for my needs, anointing my head with oil, filling my cup again and again with grace. Certainly your faithful protection and loving provision will pursue me where I go, always, everywhere. And I will always be with the Lord in your house forever. So as we wrap up, we're going to, I think, take a short break, maybe a longer break because we've got a bit more time today. Have a cup of tea, chat to someone you haven't chatted to in a while, and then we're going to come back um, and we're going to gather in groups of four, five, six, and just take the opportunity to maybe share one thing that struck you from the passage today one thing that maybe touched your heart or, or you think could influence the way that you walk in the weeks ahead. Um, and then once you've done that, maybe also just chat about how you're going as we prepare for Alpha. If you want to debrief any experiences with your group, feel free. If you want to chat about um, how you're going to talk to that person or um, whatever else, then do that and maybe take some time to pray together. Um, about Alpha, about the people, or just whatever else you might need. If you're a sheep that needs a bit of prayer, that's, that's totally fine too. That's great. Um, so let's turn this off.